Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Digital Rookie Podcast. This is part two of my chat with Luca Ganano. If you haven't listened to part one of our chat, then definitely do so. In addition to being an executive producer for 3AW, Luca has had nine years working for the Carlton Football Club as lead of their media division. This part of our chat looks into the insights of what is required to work in the digital media for a football club, the difficulties as well as the best parts of getting to work in such an intense environment. If you're yet to subscribe to the podcast, please do so and leave a review. If you want some more Digital Rookie content, then head to our socials at Digital Rookie Hub or our website, digitalrookiehub.com. What instigated your transition then from radio production into social media and content at Carlton? You mentioned sometimes you get a little bit, you know, you want to just move on and do something different for a bit. Is that yeah. a bit along those lines or was there something that Carlton that really, that really appealed to you? Yeah, well, you know, I, I got really lucky um, with Carlton. So like, I've always felt a bit guilty when I'm, when I'm talking about you know, how I got into sport because I just got lucky. Um, I was producing by that stage. This is at sort of the start of 2011. I was um, senior producer of 3W Football. So, and I had done footy for, I think it was my fifth season. And there had been a number of changes and I sort of didn't like the changes or where the direction that the, the station was going with it with a few of the personnel. So I kind of knew that I, you know, I, I wasn't going to be here forever. And I've been at AW for about five years or whatever I sort of despite the fact that I was sort of 23 or 24 like I, I kind of felt done my time here so I had done a little bit of website work at the station too and so I was sort of across you know the, the basics of, of website and the early days of social media and a, a job came up at Carlton as media manager and I thought like I'm a Carlton supporter and I thought I, I sort of thought like well yeah, like that's that's me. Like I'd love to do that role, and I had a really good relationship with the, the head of communications there at the time because I had been dealing with him while I was senior producer of footy. Okay. And um, I got through the interview process, and that, they went with somebody who had um, sort of more crisis management experience, which I, which I sort of understood at the time because there'd been a few, you know, a few of the players had stuffed up in the past, and I didn't have that experience. But it just so happened that. I didn't get it, but big, like this um, head of comms sort of said to me, but like, you've done a bit of social media stuff for 3AW, haven't you? I'm like, yeah, like, I guess. It's like, you know, we've got this new role opening up as like social media coordinator, like, would you be interested? And I'm like, yeah, like I wanted to work at the club. So I fell into it. Like, you know, I do feel a bit guilty about that, but I just fell into it because it was early days of social media. Nobody really knew what it took to do that role. There was somebody at Essendon already in that type of role, but Carlton was the second club to do it. And so it was real, real early days. And I remember I got to the club and we had a Twitter account, but it was being run by um, by the person who was doing video. Like it was a, very much a part-time thing, social media. It was like when somebody could get around to it. And all of a sudden I was thrust into this role where it was my domain and nobody really knew what to expect from it or what they wanted from it. So I was very, very fortunate that I was just able to own it and, and, and turn it into what I wanted, what I thought it should be. And thankfully that, that was the right, you know, the right stuff in essence that the, the um, supporters seemed to like what we put out. Yeah. Mm. I don't think you should feel guilty for falling into the role. I think, <laughs> I think quite a lot of the sports industry, you've just got to be in the right place, the right time. And 
It sounds yeah. like yeah. your experience, the first five years you were doing at 3AW gave you a really good network to utilize. And, and so that, that obviously. Yeah. I mean, network, networks are so important. And I'm sure they teach that at uni, but like networking, and, you know, it sometimes doesn't come naturally to people, but it's just so important because you, you just don't know when that next opportunity is going to come from. And, you know, it's still something that I take really seriously now that, you know, it's just making time for people, making time for everybody because you just don't know when you when you work with them in the future or what opportunities they might have for you in the future or vice versa. So, um, yeah, it, it, yeah, I got, look, I appreciate that, but I still feel like I got lucky, you know, working for the club that I love in a role where nobody knew what the hell to expect. So I was just able to own it. You know? <laughs> so it's very different now. Yeah. Yeah, and so what are some of the key challenges you faced as a leader of the digital team in a football club, you know, dealing with senior management, managing relationships with players? Can you give me a bit of an insight into the difficulties of being uh, working in socials at a club? Because I know a lot of people see uh, see working in socials for a footy club as a bit of the dream. I know, like, I'd love to work for yeah, yeah. hang out with Paddy Cripps, but there's obviously some challenges can you give us a bit of an insight into what those are? Yeah, well, um, it is great. Like, it's a great job. Like, it, it is a lot of fun. And, um, you know, being a part of a footy club or any sporting club, especially if you have a passion for that sport, it's not like any other job. You know, you ride the highs and the lows. And, like, when there's a, a massive win or, like, and you just like you just feel elated, you know, like you're part of it. And then at the same time, it's like a bad loss like you feel that too so it, it is an amazing position and a really unique position to be in terms of how digital was received it also sort of depended on the the management team at the time or the, the executive team i should should say where um, when i first started greek swan was um, ceo and he implemented the program so he was clearly on board with what digital looked like for the club moving forward and, and you know really embraced it and i had subsequent ceos after that and you know they, they had their strengths you know in other ways they were great leaders in in other ways but i guess i felt that after greek swan and once digital started taking over and you know became part and parcel of everyday life it probably felt a little bit like sometimes an afterthought and so there was a lot it felt like there was a bit of proving as to why i needed extra staff or why it was important for us to go on this trip or interstate or whatever it was and what the benefits were, were that we were bringing to the support base. It felt like there was a bit of a battle at all times trying to explain, you know, like if we do this really well, like it, it could equal this. Whereas, you know, I, and I, I get this too, you know, budgets are tight. Would you spend money on a digital team or would you spend money in the footy department before the, the soft cap came in or would you spend money in the membership department to grow membership? So there's always this, push and pull where you're trying to prove that this new unproven means like is going to make the club money is going to bring in new supporters uh, and you're trying to show that without any sort of d- yeah real data or real examples or they can just go try to true and put more staff into membership or whatever and make money so that was one of the challenges i always i, I faced it seemed to face for at least the last four years or so because i think one thing with social is although you can get data out of it and you can gauge and uh, you can get good levels of engagement, it can be hard to see tangible re, uh, reflections of that, especially into memberships. And I know footy clubs are based on memberships. You know they got to drive memberships to get income, and so yeah. I assume the 
challenge of showing that well, the work that we're doing in social is actually helping our membership numbers would have been a bit difficult to to demonstrate to the exec team is that is that right yeah well that's right i mean that, that's spot on i mean it was it was sort of seen as a nicety like you know yeah it's really nice that like we're doing good stuff on on social and, and the website like it's really nice but like at the end of the day like we're not winning footy games you know memberships down like we just need to stick to the fundamentals of a footy club and like you can't begrudge an executive team for thinking like that but at the same time it's like yeah like if you've got something to complement um you know good work in membership or sales or whatever it is like social is covering all of that stuff i guess that you know the hardest thing was always the you know people wanted this magic wand is like you know Oh, well, you know, we get them on Facebook and, you know, we convert them into a member within three months. It's like, it's just not going to happen that way. Like it takes years and years and years to try to, you know, promote your product to these people who might just be dipping their toe in the water through Facebook or Twitter or whatever as to what the club's about before they commit, even if it's a three-game membership, before they commit their hard-earned money to supporting the club. Whereas if you can just put somebody on outbound on membership and just calling, calling, calling lapsed members, you know, you're going to get financial results from that. So that, that was, that was challenging. You know, there was a, there was an approach um, and I certainly, you know, it was my approach, but I kind of felt like the club um, in 2015, we finished last and like there was this massive rebuild underway and we knew it was going to be painful on field. So from a digital perspective, rather than putting out, you know, disposable content that nobody remembers um, and that's, you know, it's like a little sugar hit that the more successful clubs were able to do and people just lap it up. Like the Hawks used to do, you know, awesome videos behind the scenes of players looking around and kicking footies into basketball hoops. It's like, yeah, you can do that when you're winning flags, you know, but for us it was totally different. So we tried to build the story of the players, especially the young boys that were coming in, um, who they were, what they were about, so that, you know, in, in theory, like when we get to you know, 2020 or 2021 and we're pushing for finals, that the audience feels like I've been following these guys for five or six years. I know who they are. And unfortunately, that slow and steady approach, you know, it doesn't gel with, with a club that needs to make money or a club that needs instant results off field. So that was really difficult as well. Yeah. Yeah, I can see, I can see that being a, a big challenge. But also really good content and you kind of can tell I think it's Collingwood at the moment are doing a like a journey style you know Netflix follow the club yeah style documentary and it's something that Carlton I know you were involved with the journey which was a a series about uh the the players in the club when the when they were first getting drafted and so it kind of it's as though clubs are now seeing that as the really valuable content that longer lasting more uh, more realistic, insightful content as opposed to the kicking basketballs into a hoop. Yeah, and, and um, you know, that's it's so uh, difficult to explain to people how, you know, like, uh, you know, people would say, like, why, why don't all clubs do behind-the-scenes stuff? Like, it all it makes perfect sense. And I sort of remember that Collingwood and Essendon led the way even before we did the journey. Like, um, Essendon, I think, did the hangar. And mm. The Pies did it most well. In, they did a show as well that was they were on Fox and like it was behind the scenes and um, it was like God like these two clubs are doing great stuff like we should just do it ourselves don't worry about Fox Footy like we'll just do it ourselves and it just so happened that Brendan Bolton had come in as coach and 
you know, there was a, an overhaul of the whole club. So we were able to sort of reset and go like, we're trying to sell Bolts as coach, we're trying to sell all these new boys, we're trying to sell a free department and what the club's moving towards. But the difficulty is we had great success over the year, the couple of years that we did it. But the problem is, it's like by the time the start of 2011, uh, 2018 had arrived, I should say, we weren't going as well as we hoped we would. And people locked down and just go like, we need to take these things seriously. You can't be in these meetings, you can't do this, you can't do that. And you respect that because they've got a job to do as well, which is coaching the footy side or running a, f- a football club or whatever. But, but like from our perspective, it's like, gee, this is the good stuff. Like these are the moments that we want to be there for when it turns around and you sort of lose access to it, which is a bit dispiriting. It just depends on the personnel. And like Collingwood's getting Nathan Buckley and, and, and Buck's worked at 3AW for a little while. So I got to know him a little, like a little bit. And, you know, having known people who work at Collingwood or play for Collingwood or whatever, like, He's just an outstanding individual who gets it, you know, mm. who gets it. And sometimes you have people who don't get it, who don't get why having two blokes with cameras in a meeting who aren't making any noise, like how that could be really beneficial for the perception of the club or the brand of the club. And you, you've just got to respect it. And, and so you can get shut out of things really, really quickly um, and it just, you know, brings you back to square one. So I guess that... If, if I was going into a footy club now, I wouldn't sort of just go, right, the first thing we need is behind-the-scenes documentary because if I'm starting to pluck any club on it, like GWS, like Leon Cameron might not be the personality who likes that type of stuff or the CEO might not want that. That might not be in fitting with what the club needs to do. It's just it's learning who the personalities are and the way that you might be able to work with them, et cetera, rather than just sort of going like, it's obvious, just do this and it works. Like you, you can't be like that. It's just, it's interesting how literally for every institute in sport is completely different. And I guess that's a challenge for people trying to get into the industry. You have to be versatile and you have to provide a club with something, but that might be a completely different thing that another club wants or another agency wants. So, yeah. Yeah, Um, that's spot on. That's spot on. Yeah, Luca, thanks so much for chatting with me today. I really appreciate all your time. No worries at all. It's been great. Thank you for listening to the Digital Rookie Podcast. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and leave a review. Make sure to tech check out the Digital Rookie socials at Digital Rookie Hub to keep up to date and stay tuned for more episodes with sports business professionals coming soon. 